You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. This episode of Locked On Bills is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Unfortunately, it's not a victory Tuesday here on the podcast as the Bills fell to the Tennessee Titans 34 to 31 and falling to 4 and 2 on the season entering the bye week. And we've got a lot to reflect upon from this football game and we should be able to get to all of it within the things I liked and the things I didn't like segments of the podcast. So we'll attack it like we do every game day. We'll close things out by reflecting on my predictions and talking about what is next for the Bills and this podcast. So let's start with the things I liked. And I guess you have to start with the passing game. The Bills were able to move the football through the air pretty effectively. Josh Allen completed 35 of 47 passes, 353 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the one interception uh, on a play where he kind of rushed the throw and it was up in the air. And Kevin Byard made a play on the ball. Zach Moss did not. But The Bills moved the football just fine in this football game. Now, did they score and finish drives like they should? No, but they had no issues moving the football, particularly through the air and throwing the ball to wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders, five catches, 91 yards. Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Cole Beasley, seven receptions, 88 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you even saw Gabriel Davis catch two passes for 25 yards after he was quiet to start the season. Nine different receivers caught the football. The Bills were effective passing the ball, and you'd expect them to be in a game where Tennessee was depleted at cornerback and suffered injuries during the game to make things even worse. The Bills were able to take advantage and create a lot of offense through the air. And so I think that's where I would like to start when it comes to things I liked from the game. Now, there were some moments where the passing game failed, And we'll talk about that and the things I didn't like. But I think in totality, it's hard to come away from this game and have any level of disappointment about the Bills passing game. I also like some of the things that happened on defense. Not a whole lot, but Tremaine Edmonds, I thought, played very well in this football game. Um, Certainly, Derrick Henry made some really big plays and they had some timely completions in the passing game. But I thought for the most part, Tremaine Edmonds really met this moment and had some very physical tackles, you know, was able to really square up against Derrick Henry and and tackle him backwards on multiple occasions. You saw him chase into the boundary and cover ground, and I thought Tremaine Edmonds for a third week in a row played really, really good football. Obviously, I liked Jordan Poyer's interception. I was glad to see him get back on the board after, you know, missing that Texans game and kind of working his way back into the lineup you know, back-to-back weeks on primetime. You see Micah Hyde get an interception last week. You see Jordan Poyer this week come away with a takeaway. And, of course, I was happy to see that. The last thing that I'll say in things that I liked, 
And I'm not going to sit here and act like I absolutely loved it. But I'm fine with Sean McDermott's decision to go for it at the end there. I mean, you need less than a yard. And you have Josh Allen. I mean, you are paying Josh Allen all the money. He's a physical specimen. He's dynamic on short yardage situations. I mean, everyone saw the stat after the game where Josh Allen, prior to that play for his career, was 13 of 14 on fourth and one or less run plays in his career going into this game. And the only time he didn't convert prior to the last play offensively for the Bills against Tennessee was because of a botched snap. I mean, I don't think it was a crazy decision to go for it. You need less than a yard. You have Josh Allen, who is your franchise quarterback, one of the best players in the game, who has been outstanding in that exact situation. You want to end the football game right there. Your defense was not getting stops. The Bills played well in the first quarter when it comes to defense. On three possessions in the first quarter for the Titans, it was punt, punt, interception. But starting in the second quarter, the Bills couldn't stop Tennessee. They had a touchdown, a field goal, a touchdown. Then it was the last drive before halftime. And then touchdown, field goal, touchdown. The Bills weren't stopping them. They didn't have any interest in going to overtime. They wanted to end the game right there. And I thought the Bills had a really good chance to do that. Didn't work out. Jeffrey Simmons made a great play for Tennessee. Deion Dawkins wasn't able to secure that block. Josh Allen didn't have his footing, and they didn't convert. They lost the game. But I understand why Coach McDermott made the decision. I bet there isn't a single player on the team that disagreed with it. You heard Coach McDermott talk about it after the game and said, I have Josh Allen, I believe in Josh Allen, I believe in my players, I believe in our coaches. So hindsight's twenty twenty, and it, it didn't work, so he'll get heavily criticized, but I personally didn't mind the call. And I don't think a single player on the team or a single coach on the team minded the call. You have Josh Allen. You weren't getting stops on defense. Like I, I mean, it all adds up to be a very reasonable call. And so I don't really mind it. And, of course, if they were to convert and score a touchdown and win the game, everyone is celebrating the aggressiveness of Sean McDermott. Now, instead, there's a lot of people questioning it. And I understand it's results-based, right? You either win or you don't. You either convert or you don't. I understand that. But the process behind making the decision is sound in my mind. This episode of Locked On Bills is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, and the away team can come together and recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I mean, I personally love that McDonald's has breakfast all day long 
and I really enjoy those egg McMuffins and the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. So head to your local McDonald's and refuel and reconnect. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Have you ever tried to scoop that last bit of salsa out of a bowl and right at the last pivotal moment the chip breaks, the chip disappears into the salsa, your hand plunges deeper into the bowl, and you're left with the dreaded salsa knuckles. When you're stressing about whether or not to go for it on a fourth down, it's the last thing you need. Well, I have a solution for you. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips. They know that the purpose of tortilla chips is to successfully deliver dips from the bowl to your mouth in one delicious piece. Their chips are sturdy, corny, and live to keep your knuckles clean. That's because their chips are cut and fried from real tortillas, while most chips on the shelf skip this step. On top of that, their delicious flint corn is organically grown in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods Market and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. So let's get into the things I didn't like in this football game. And I think the overarching theme and the things I didn't like is that the Bills fell right into the Tennessee Titans script. I mean, what Tennessee needed to go their way went their way, and the Bills played right into it. They controlled the game with Derrick Henry. 20 rushes, 143 yards, three touchdowns. The Bills' red zone struggles on offense continued. Five trips to the red zone, two touchdowns. Settling for a 24 and a 28-yard field goal on the first two drives of the game. That was your opportunity to go ahead and make Tennessee one-dimensional on offense. That's what we talked about. Get a lead and force them to throw the football. Try to take Derrick Henry out of it as best you can by building a lead and forcing them to throw. Well, you moved the football, but you didn't score touchdowns. And so when you came away from those first two drives with a 24-yard field goal and a 28-yard field goal and left all those points on the board and only had six points to show for all of that offensive production, you kept the door open for the Tennessee Titans to play the game they wanted to play it. So Derrick Henry controlled the game. The Bills didn't finish drives with touchdowns. And then the players on Tennessee's defense that are capable of being difference makers made a difference. Kevin Byard had an interception. Harold Landry, their best pass rusher, two sacks, tackle for loss, two quarterback hits. Jeffrey Simmons had a big impact in this game. He had a sack, tackle for loss, two quarterback hits, and of course the monumental fourth down stop. So literally the script that I outlined for a Tennessee win is exactly what happened. The Bills didn't convert touchdowns. Derrick Henry was a major factor. And the three players that they had on defense that could make a difference made a difference. The Bills fell right into it. I don't like that the Bills' pass rush was not a factor in this game. Did not sack Ryan Tannehill. Only hit him twice. And we're talking about a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that was sacked 20 times in the first five games of the season. The most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Over 10% of his dropbacks were sacks. 
and the Bills couldn't get him down. They couldn't affect him enough. And that's disappointing because you have built this deep, talented arsenal of pass rushers, and the Titans have been struggling in pass protection, and the Bills' pass rushers didn't get home. And it was a problem because they're not getting home. The linebackers are getting sucked up because they're so concerned about Derrick Henry in the run game. And that opened up those windows behind them for Ryan Tannehill to hit crossers through the Bills' zone defense. Played right into their script. I thought Greg Rousseau was disappointing in this football game. A couple of different times he was out of his run fit where on the long 70-whatever-yard run it was by Derrick Henry, Greg Rousseau, to me, was the player most responsible. The way that he got hooked and pinned inside, it really created that that cutback opportunity for Derrick Henry. And then on his other longer run, Rousseau just got too far up the field. He needed to stay connected to the down block and be there to make the play, and he wasn't. He wasn't anywhere to be found. Meanwhile, Jerry Hughes went inside on a pass rush that really created a throwing lane and roll-on opportunity for Ryan Tannehill. So I thought both of those guys had massive mistakes being caught out of their fits, whether it was a pass rush lane or a run fit. I already mentioned this, but the defense couldn't get stops after the first quarter. Couldn't stop them. Punt, punt, interception in the first quarter. And then since it was touchdown, field goal, touchdown, half, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. It's not good enough, especially for a team that doesn't necessarily have a full complement of weapons to distribute the football to. They can't stress you in multiple ways. Tannehill did not play well. The offensive line had been struggling all year long. You couldn't get stops. Didn't like that, obviously. Didn't like Andre Smith coming away with two special teams penalties in this football game. Obviously, one was critical. It negated the kickoff return for a touchdown by Isaiah McKenzie that would have put the Bills ahead on the drive that they stalled out on. And here's where I take exception with the Andre Smith special teams penalties. They are dressing four linebackers that are pretty much special teams only players. And Tyler Medikavich, Tyrell Dotson, Andre Smith, and AJ Klein. And to me, I was pretty disappointed when I saw that AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham were inactive for this game. I think at least one of them should have been available. Instead, the Bills made them inactive and dressed all four of those linebackers. To me, the very obvious choice is between Dotson and Smith, somebody needs to be inactive, and you dress that fifth defensive end. So I find it problematic when your pass rush wasn't effective enough that you have two recent second-round picks as healthy and active so you can dress all these special teams linebackers, and the special teams linebacker that you chose to dress had two costly penalties in the football game. I also think that we have to talk more about the offensive drive before Tennessee went ahead 34-31. to So it's the fourth quarter. 
The Bills are leading 31-27. to They take possession of the football, and I'm sure everyone's thinking the same thing I was. Go, go get a touchdown in this drive. Go ahead by two scores and see if Tennessee can make up the difference. So again, the Bills are leading 31-27. to They take possession first and 10 with 9.45 left in the fourth quarter from the 25-yard line. The Bills get a first down after three plays, and the ball is now at the 37-yard line. First and 10. Josh Allen gets sacked, loses seven yards. His eyes were down the field. He ignored some short options. He ignored some mid-level options as well that were open. I'm not sure what he was looking for, but it was definitely a big play down the field that wasn't there. And it winds up being a bad sack. Seven yards, a coverage sack in my mind. So now it's second and 17, and Josh Allen forces the ball into double coverage looking for Emmanuel Sanders. Now it was an incomplete pass, but it wasn't a good decision with the football. He was trying to get that big play. Then third and 17, the incomplete pass to Jake Kumaro in a punt. Tennessee goes eight plays, 70 yards, takes five minutes off the clock, and goes ahead 34-31. to 31. To me, that drive was the most disappointing because that sack was a bad sack to take, and then the decisions that Josh made with the football that led to the sack and then the throw into double coverage to Emmanuel Sanders put him in a tough spot for a third and 17 where if you just go and score a touchdown or just get points, take some time off the clock, sustain the drive, do what you did all game long, you'd have been in a lot better shape. And we know how it turned out. In life, we're all bound for different things. With Beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or maybe you will be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar or maybe creating my own taco flight. As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as can be. With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. What are you bound for? Visit Beachbound.com today. Today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. Save time and save money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. All right, so let's look back at my predictions. Let's do a quick AFC East recap and talk about what's next for the Bills and this podcast. So as for my predictions, I did not do so hot. 
My first prediction was that Derrick Henry would be under 98.5 rushing yards. Nope. He had 143. 76 of that came on one play, though. I'd like to know if Greg Rousseau doesn't get washed down inside, if Jordan Poyer can get over top of that block, if Trey White can do a better job of coming downhill and taking on that block and forcing Derrick Henry to stop his feet, if Micah Hyde takes a better angle, you know, if he just gets 20 yards instead of 76, if he is held under 98 and a half, I don't know. Those are all what ifs and and we all know how that goes, but unfortunately I was, I was way off on my prediction on the bills holding Derrick Henry to under 98 and a half rushing yards. I predicted that Dawson Knox's touchdown streak would continue and nope, that didn't happen. Um, we got close. A holding call on Emmanuel Sanders and negated his touchdown. And then, of course, he threw the two-point conversion to Josh Allen. That's not a touchdown. That's a two-point conversion. And so I missed on that prediction. Now, we do know that Dawson Knox, to my knowledge, was the only player on the Bills that did not finish the game. Uh, he had a hand injury. And so we'll stay tuned on the severity of that. Number three, I predicted that the Bills would have over 450 yards of offense. They did not. They had 417. So a ton of offense generated, obviously not enough points and didn't quite hit the 450 I projected. Here's the one I got right. I said that someone would score their first touchdown of the season on offense, and actually we got two of those. Cole Beasley scored his first touchdown of the season, and so did Tommy Sweeney, which was really good to see, Um, You know, considering what he went through last year. The Bills are only really rostering two tight ends. Uh, It was a good throw by Josh Allen. It was his third read on that progression. Fit the ball in perfectly. Sweeney secured it for a touchdown. And then, of course, I predicted that the Bills would win. They did not. They fell right into the Titans' script and fell to 4-2. As for the AFC East, the Bills sit atop the division at 4-2. The Jets, they were on a bye, so they remain at 1-4. The New England Patriots lost to the Dallas Cowboys 35-29 in overtime. They fell to 2-4. And, and the Miami Dolphins, they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in London 23-20 and are now 1-5. So the Bills sit you know, pretty well atop the AFC East as the rest of the division continues to struggle this season. Now as for this podcast, it's bye week, and so we still have plenty of great discussion to get to. Unfortunately, for the second year in a row, the Bills go into the bye week after suffering a loss, and that kind of steals some of the sizzle of uh, all the things that I wanted to talk about. But uh, this is where we're at, 4-2. and two, You know, everything that you want the Bills to achieve this year is right in front of them. It's a very manageable schedule. I think the Bills will be favored in every single game the rest of the way, maybe not the Tampa game on the road. But the Bills, you know, everything you want this team to accomplish is right there. And this was a a tough Monday night football loss against a team that, you know, the Bills have struggled with now for two games and uh, dating back to last year. And so the Bills will have to figure out how to play better against Tennessee. But if you thought the Bills were a Super Bowl contender on Monday afternoon, I'm not sure that you shouldn't still consider them a Super Bowl contender. They just obviously have to continue proving themselves and you know they don't just hand the Super Bowl trophy to anyone you have to go out and do it week after week and so you know let's see where this team is after they play all 17 regular season games I think we'll be quite satisfied with where they finish but anyways uh, today is obviously Tuesday it's the game recap tomorrow is herd mentality I'll get to your questions 
on the Wednesday podcast. Thursday, we're going to talk to Nate Geary of WGR 550 to talk about the state of the Bills offense at the bye. Friday, we go defense, talking about the state of the Bills defense with Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive podcast. Uh, Then we'll take the weekend off. Monday, Greg Thompson of Cover One. We're going to talk big picture stuff together, you know, salary cap, free agents, big decisions that are coming up, all that type of stuff with Greg. And then uh, Tuesday's herd mentality. Wednesday, we're back on our schedule with the comprehensive primer getting ready for the Miami Dolphins coming out of the bye. As the Bills get back to playing home games and have an opportunity to improve their record to 5-2 and two against the Miami Dolphins. So a lot of great Buffalo Bills discussion is coming your way in the very near future. So the Bills are on a bye. We are not. We're talking Bills football every day here for you on the Locked On Bills podcast. So make sure that you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. Hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.